2: Welcome to the family with Doug Sprinthal, Andy Bernard,
1: and Cassie Schrader.
2: And we will be right back. Thank you again to Daryl Thompson. I, they, what a great man.
1: Mm-hmm. He's a, isn't he
2: a wonderful guy? Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's a really good, solid human being. No doubt about it. But his wife is too good for him. I just still like the one that <laughs> Just a fact, you know. We'll be right back. Special guest Tracy Hecht coming up next. The Chestnut Challenge. We'll tell you what that's all about right after this with the family.
3: Doug whole Walzer Automotive Group, Walter.com. Perfect. Thanks for that introduction. Uh, we talked no about problem. it at the top of the show. I'll mention it again. We are excited for the third year to participate in the American Diabetes Association Tour to cure it's on saturday june 1st we would love to have a huge team it's growing already we've been talking about it for a couple of weeks now it's a 26 mile ride starts at nine in the morning you'll be done they have a nice lunch afterwards and if the weather's nice they'll have bands and all kinds of stuff to do uh, this is not a race, it's a ride, so if you're just in reasonable shape, you'll make it easily. If you're interested in joining the team, or if you just want to donate to the team and uh, not ride, that's fine, too. You can email me at Doug at Walser.com and I will give you all the details. Walzer
2: Automotive Group, Walzer.com. It's been good. <laughs> it's been good, ladies and <laughs> gentlemen. Been good. And how do they contact you?
3: And, uh, e- either through our website, which is minnesotapersonalinjury.com,
2: minnesotapersonalinjury.com, or at 800-770-7008. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw and Bryant. Blinded by
3: a fifth. Wasn't that a song that you used to do, Doug? To- I hate this version of the song. These guys should be arrested. (laughs) They took a great Bruce Springsteen sooner and ruined it. Actually, they killed a couple of them, didn't they? I think so.
2: Yeah, I think you might be right. It's a possibility. It's Manfred
3: Mann's Earth Band, isn't it? Yep. Mm -hmm. But Manfred Mann was a great group. What happened? I don't know. And, you know, it, to their credit, they have ma- more hit records than I do, and they made a fortune off doing Springsteen covers when Bruce was unheard of. I mean, that Blinded by the Light, I think, is off the very first Springsteen album. I think that's
2: right. Sha-la-la, that was, that was Manfred Man, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Great song.
0: Loved we have song. Tracy on the phone.
2: Tracy Hexton, ladies and gentlemen, the Chestnut Challenge a children's book to help parents teach their kids about honesty, compassion, and good sportsmanship. Uh, Tracy, we've we've hit a stride here today. It's wonderful. We talked to Daryl Thompson, former uh, NFL star, great uh, college player, the whole deal with Boulder Options, talking about he- helping people. And here we are again with Tracy Heck talking about honesty, compassion, and good sportsmanship. I think it's more important than ever to tell you the truth, Tracy. What do you think?
4: Yeah, I mean, our times are sort of complicated right now, right? <laughs> Well, uh, I would say complicated, nice. yes. yes, It's, um, you know, when I started writing these books, it was probably four or five years ago, so the climate has changed a lot, and yet when I was writing them, you know, they're about nocturnal animals, so they're, you know, silly, and they're middle-grade books for seven-to-twelve-year-olds and five-to-seven-year-olds, two different mm-hmm. versions of the same series, but... um You know, the anti-bullying and compassion and sort of understanding what motivates good behavior and bad behavior has become increasingly more relevant, I think, um, as a topic of conversation.
2: Well, yeah, and obviously in children's books, it's going to be really tough to tell children. You know, the only reason those politicians do that is because they make a lot of money doing it. It's not going to mean a lot to a kid, I wouldn't imagine. But, yeah, I think right now that everything is dollar-motivated in America, which really upsets me because we're using sex and race and orientation and gender and all the rest of it to make money. I just really wish we'd support one another and help one another. That would be really nice, don't you think?
4: Well, I do think, and I, I mean, I don't talk about any of those themes in my no. children's books. No, but, um, no of course but we, not. But you know, I mean, that... but, no, but I was going to say that, um, you know, ironically, I think in some ways the the sort of, you know, the the tales and the stories are, they're fun and they're playful and they're about nocturnal animals and they're adventurous but they deal a lot, you know, I mean, the villains in the books, um, I spend a lot of time in terms of, you know, the plot resolution, understanding what motivates the bad behavior of the, you know, the bad nocturnal animal or, um, and you know, it's, um, I think that that is a really important tool to help kids be able to talk about, you know, in a fictionalized sense, things that they're feeling and seeing in their world in an adult way that, um, that I think is helpful because, um, you know, it's funny. I was talking to someone earlier today on a different station about the book that's out right now called the Chestnut Challenge, and
2: yeah, yep. it's
4: for the early readers, for the uh, five to seven-year-old. So it's about phonic awareness and, in particular, the sound ch because it's about Chandler the chinchilla who's a cheater. But um, but the <laughs> okay. the, whole, the whole point of the book, the the whole thing of the book is that you know that you're not really born a good person or a bad person or an honest person or a cheater. You sort of make those decisions every day. And in the book, you know, Chandler makes the decision to cheat and sort of what becomes of that. And I, you know, in a really childlike way, I think it's, I think it's helpful for kids to be able to have a conversation around those themes because they're so prevalent.
2: You know, I will tell you, Tracy, I think, you know, you said you didn't write about those things in your, in your books, but you actually do, at a level that young people can understand, it's like don't be cheating because that's exactly what we're talking about here. Is you're fudging issues or cheating to try to make some money? Uh, but young, first of all, thank you for not naming your loudmouth sugar glider Tom. I appreciate that that was left <laughs> out of it. So that's
1: good.
2: you know, but I think these are very, very important, very important lessons. Don't be cheating. Cheating. Look, you might benefit in the short term, but long term, it's not first of all, it's a horrible characteristic, and, and secondly, it, it eventually will come back to bite you. So I think what you're teaching is very, very important to young kids. Absolutely,
4: I think so. I think so too. But I, but I will say that um, you know I think the trick and the reason I really like writing these books um, is that you know I don't. I think sometimes as an adult we can be a little bit didactic with kids around yes and no, good mm-hmm. and bad, do and don't. Whereas I like writing these books because, you know, in these stories, the nocturnals, they do explore with that sort of temptation to behave badly, and some of them do Mm -hmm. behave badly. And I think that's valuable because I think as a child, to be able to have a conversation around the parts of you that that are motivated by bad behavior, that, you know, you do want to cheat to win, or you, you know, you do want to do something as a shortcut, I think is... um, I think it's helpful to be able to relate to the negative and positive traits of a character, not just the mm-hmm. positive ones.
2: I think that's very true. And by the way, you use one of my favorite words in the description here. Uh, you say Chandler, a conniving chinchilla. I love the word conniving, and that's exactly what we're talking about. Adult behavior—they a lot of connivers now. So I'm glad you're you're using that word. It's a great word.
4: Yeah. I, I get a lot of. What's funny? A lot of people ask me um, why do I write about nocturnal animals, and the original reason is because my my children hated to go to bed. So I thought, like, I'm going to write a sure. story and a series that takes place when it's bedtime. But I was going to say that I get I get a lot of inspiration not only from the nocturnal animals, but for the conflicts in the stories, whether they're age appropriate, targeted at seven to twelve year olds in the chapter books or five to seven in the early readers by sort of looking at the climate of what, of what our kids are listening to and paying attention to today, because, um, because I think that's important to have them have literature that reflects conversation at an age appropriate level around all of these things that we're seeing.
2: It's pretty amazing. What is the average age a child learns to read now?
4: That is a really good question. And I think it's, I think it's hard because I think there's a lot of pressure on kids to learn to read earlier. And I don't think that's always developmentally natural for kids. And one of the reasons, uh, you know, I originally started writing the middle grade chapter books, which are 200 pages and sort of traditional chapter books. But um, I did the early readers with the same characters. So it's the same animals, the sugar glider, the pangolin and the fox. But at a a very early early reader level books. So rudimentary stories, more sight word based, um, you know, very short, simple storylines. And the idea is that, you know, it it feels left out if you're a first grader and you're not really reading well, and there's kids next to you reading Mm -hmm. chapter books. And what I heard from schools and families and libraries was that it's nice to have a series that kind of has these early reader books and middle grade books so that Everyone can be a part of the storytelling and the characters in the world, but they can be a part of it at their developmental level when they're starting to read because it does happen at different times for different kids.
2: It does, I'm sure. You know, some of it might be even cultural and all the rest of it. I know that I, I, I learned how to read at four by accident. I just, I I started reading the funny papers they were called back in the day. It's, you know, Dagwood and Blondie and all these things that I just learned to read. But Andy, I think you learned to read at three, didn't you?
0: Well, I don't know about three, but that was a pretty well, early know, I,
2: reader. Well, I remember you, you would read along. with what, what happened was, Tracy, is my son Andy, uh, I would lie face down on the floor with a book in front of me, and then he would lie on my back and look over my shoulder, and by me reading to him <laughs> in that way, he learned to read. It was really, really cool how he learned to read well, like that, you know?
4: So I will say, though, that's unusual, Andy, that you learned to read that young, and bravo to you. But um but you brought up something else which I think is really interesting, which is that the demographics of our schools are changing a lot and phonic based right. awareness right. around <laughs> English as a first language, you know, a, like fifty years ago you got a kindergarten and everyone knew that B was ba ba and everyone knew that, you know, P was pa. But now you have kids coming in with really different phonic awareness based on what their native language is and so I, that's part of the reason why I did the early readers too, is because I think that English phonics is really important just to get everyone at the same playing field pretty early on.
2: I really like the fact that, that you write about. Uh, hello, you can hear me, can you? Oh, can you yeah, not hear so me? I
4: thought I lost you, but I, oh. I'm here. Oh, no, 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 I hear you great. Sorry about that. that <laughs>
2: um, I like the fact that you write about, uh, and we're talking about kids ages six, seven, and eight generally, correct? Who you're writing for?
5: Yes.
2: Um, I love the fact that you write about good sportsmanship, that you write about friendship, but you also write about forgiveness. I think that's kind of gone by the wayside in our school system. Uh, Learning to forgive people I think is very, very important for little children particularly. Uh, so I'm glad you do write a, a lot about that, and I'm I'm certain that you don't write in a very heavy-handed way, Tracy, about forgiveness. It's just it is a very good thing. You can actually forgive someone for bad behavior or an accident, a mistake, whatever it is. Yeah, very important lesson. It's um,
4: you know, it's 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 um, it's funny. There there is all of this this you know um, pressure on being the good person, the, the perfect Mm -hmm. kid. And I think that, um, I think that humans are fallible. And so I like having a lot of modeling in the books of, of not perfect behavior and how, how the characters, how they engage that behavior and how they sort of come to terms with it. The, um, you know, the compassion part of it's a really big part of it too. Actually, um, later in May, I'm coming to Minneapolis to do a big program with the Minnesota Zoo where they're oh, using animals to teach compassion and kindness. And there's a big nocturnals program at the zoo. And I think that, I think that more people are becoming uh, more engaged in that and, like, really letting kids start to understand what it is to be thoughtful and kind and listen and forgive and um and and also just to have sort of a you know a nice time doing it because it it doesn't have to be so serious to your point
2: i think that's just and that's exactly what i was talking about it's not all serious but it is important uh by the way uh i have to take advantage of this this moment because we actually have two people on the show right now that spend time in maine how how do you say the name of your town oh yes is
5: that how you say it right
2: Oh,
3: Quasic, yeah.
4: Yes, uh, Doug Sprinthall
2: <laughs> also spent a little time in Maine. Did you not, Doug?
3: Yeah, I'm a, a native New Englander. I've lived out here most of my life, but my grandparents had a place up. Uh, it was in Jefferson, Maine, which is really near Damariscotta, If you know where that is.
4: Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Of course. I
3: spent all my summers up there as a kid, and it was so great. Even as a kid, I knew I was lucky. And that you're usually not that self-aware at seven. You just think that's the way the world is. But I'm like, man, this is great. I loved it up there.
4: Well, it's, it's amazing you were there because I will say a lot of people who go to Maine go to the coast. And um, and we are, you know, Aquasic is up by um, by sort of the, where the Canadian, New Hampshire, and Maine borders all connect. Yep. And it's a really, it's like a really, it's an amazing place up there. And it's, you know, I live the other half of the time in New York City. And I I I always say that our house in Maine is the fanciest house in our area because we have a flushing toilet. Yeah. <laughs> <And so laughs> <it's> a... <laughs> there you go. And I'm really happy we have that. We had
3: some. Uh, but, kin- um, we had some... <laughs> I'm sorry. Go ahead.
4: No, no. I was just gonna say it's a it's it's a really. It, I'm I I feel the same way. It's a unique spot.
3: We were we had some neighbors in uh, we lived in Lexington, Massachusetts, in, year round. But we had some neighbors that were Canadians, and they had a lake place. I think just across the border into Quebec, from where you are, is a big lake called uh, Magog. If you've ever heard of that before, things like thirty I miles. I do know where that is. Yeah, yep, that, and that was, and they had no uh, indoor plumbing there. <laughs> it's um, it's really you know, it's
4: not a it's it, to be in the United States, and in that case, you were just outside. But it's, um, you know, as a New Yorker, to be able to spend a lot of time there, it's a, it's sort of a really special balance. And um, and I will say, influences the writing of these nocturnal books a lot because, you know, you kind of get up there and and you see the world differently.
2: Well, where's your Where, accent? which one you go? Gonna... Yeah, I was going to say, where's the accent? It's exactly what I was going to ask, Doug. Where's your well, where's I, your accent? I have
4: no accent. I'm originally from Berkeley, California, so I don't have a very good Mainer accent. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Doug does. I want to hear your accent, Doug. Do the... Do the... You know, I, 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 I when I was up there, my first job was working on a lobster boat when I was a kid. And... I can't say what the lobstermen would say because every other word was a swear. Uh, that's all they I mean, they were just they made sailors blush. It's like you pick up that goddamn reel and throw it over the side or you know. Blah, 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 blah. I never learned to swim, the water's oh damn God, cold. I excellent freeze to death.
4: Accent. Oh I know, I get
3: He does. I go does. back there it just comes back. It's
4: you have really a funny. Good one.
3: Yeah. I ask
2: him oh, all I the time to do the it. old.
4: I, 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 he, a, I, I asked him it, all the I time. Immediately started talking. <laughs> I had that like feeling of I love the sound of those of those Mainers.
3: Yeah, they're great. Yeah, there true. used to be this back in the '60s. There were two guys, and they were they were probably in their '70s that did uh, weather reports from the top of Mount Washington. Now, Mount Washington's only Mm 6,000 feet high, but it's like the windiest place in the world. The weather station is actually chained to the rock. They've clocked wind speeds up there 200 (laughs) miles an hour before, and not a tornado. So, and, And these guys, I mean, there was like an old Bert and Ernie. Well, we're expecting high pressure to come in from Canada, but we've been fooled by this before. So you should stand by, tune in tomorrow, and we'll let you know what's really going on. And it, it, it was comical. <laughs> ah. <laughs> love it, Tracy
1: Hecht. Okay. The book is called so, "The
4: Chestnut do, Challenge." Do, go ahead. Okay, sorry, I was going to ask if you love, if you love a lobster roll because I do miss them all year long when oh. we're not there. Lobster roll. Yeah.
3: <laughs> yep. Every time I go to Boston, I have one at the airport. There, so it's basically lobster and mayonnaise. It has to be in a hot dog bun. That's the only correct way to eat them. Mm. And it's. If you're, di- if you're dieting, it's really probably not the food for you, but it's great. Probably not. My favorite of all time was the old
2: Pepperidge
1: Farm
3: commercial
2: where the guy went, What about your father's strawberries? <laughs> what? <laughs> what did you say? Tracy, you're the best. Thank you for coming on, and please do come back. Uh, I thank love you. the fact you're teaching children uh, forgiveness and, and compassion uh, and, and decency. It's terrific. Tracy, thank you very much.
4: Thank you for having me.
2: Absolutely. We'll be back in a couple of minutes with the family. It's Tom Bernard with North American Banking Company CEO and my buddy, Michael Bilski. Michael, let's say somebody has a plan to expand their business this year. How can North American Banking Company get that job done?
3: At North American Banking Company, we'll take time to understand the customer's needs and wants and their plans for the future. Who's better than you? That's what I want to know. You I still are. never liked you though. You are. No, nah, I never. Don't try to make up. I don't.
2: Like <laughs> you. Why not bank with my banker, North American Banking Company, a better banking experience, member FDIC, and an equal housing lender. Tom Bernard here for Whiting Clinic LASIK and Cataract. Spring is here, and there's no better time to ditch your contacts and pitch your glasses. Whiting Clinic is the place I trusted to do this for me, and it's not just me. There's a reason Whiting Clinic is the number one LASIK practice in the United States. Dr. Whiting's unsurpassed experience, the most advanced Contura laser technology, and lifetime coverage are all backed by Whiting Clinic's best price guarantee. Being the experts they are, they want to make sure you have the very best for your eyes, just like I did. Call now for Whiting Clinic's $500 off LASIK Spring Savings. If you're like me, not a big fan of glasses and contact lenses, then it's time you found out if you're a candidate for LASIK. And Whiting Clinic is definitely the place to go. Call 855-554-2020 today or visit whitingclinic.com to set up your free LASIK consultation. Remember to tell them I sent you and save 500 bucks on your LASIK.
0: Offer expires June 21st, 2019. Good for both eyes only. Cannot be combined with any other offers.
2: Cassie? Yes? Did we go 17 in that last segment?
1: Uh, it's
2: like, s- like 1640, I think it was. Yeah, we probably don't want to cut that. I thought that was pretty good. You just want to go 13 here?
1: No, we can. I can switch, squish it down to 15. No problem.
2: Okay, I just wanted to make sure because I, I really like that at the end when. Dougie was showing off his Maine accent. <laughs> mm-hmm. I thought it was wonderful. It's absolutely true. Yeah, she loved
3: it. That was uh, kind of cool, actually.
2: She, she did. She thought it was fun. And the fact that I knew uh, how to pronounce the name of the town she was from, she was very impressed with that as yep. well, which, you know, I don't impress many people. So I'd like to point that out. You know what I'm saying? Uh, we do. You guys you guys want to go to Coachella ever? Because I don't.
0: No. I am not interested No, a... I interest in go to Coachella. Upper class 20 year old girl.
2: Well, I suppose that's probably true. Well, there was a, uh, a, a guest, an unwanted guest running amok at Coachella this year. I don't know if you know this or not. It was herpes. Of course,
1: uh, it According was. to
2: Honchos at Herp Alert, an online diagnosis and treatment website for the STD, there's been a huge spike in folks looking to get treated for herpes in the community surrounding the famous music festival. Herp Alert's been in business for two years now. By the way, it's a very genteel name. What's yep, the name of your company? Really. Herp Alert. <laughs> it's like, really? That's the best you could come up with, was Herp Alert. Thank you so much for that. Uh, Andy, I heard on um, uh, Adam Ruins Everything, he made the statement on that show that we all have herpes. Is that
0: true? Uh. If you really want to obfuscate the issue, then technically yes. But there's also oh, so that's what it is. There's yeah, okay. many different strains, and they're definitely not all the same.
2: Right, exactly. So these are, they're different strain. We don't all have yeah. the
0: like the sexually
2: transmitted right, herpes. Right, exactly. Or, uh,
0: right. People will say so that everyone has herpes, that. but that's not true. Everyone has herpes no. zoster, which is what causes the chicken pox, it's chicken pox, and, and shingles. Yep. Yeah, but. The right. uh, like the herpes simplex viruses uh, that you get from you know the STDs and the oral mm-hmm. herpes and that kind of thing.
1: Yeah. Very yeah. different. Yeah.
0: Tom, do you remember what back, the hell you've been chewing
3: on back in the? This uh, <laughs> must have been '80 yeah. 80 or '81 when there was a big herpes scare, and I remember watching Paul Majors sure. on Channel 11, and they did all these like exposés about herpes, and it was the worst thing in the mm-hmm. world. Then a year and a half later, they discovered AIDS, and the whole herpes yeah. talk just sort of went away. It's oh, like, yeah. okay, now now we're in the big leagues.
2: No, you're absolutely right. Absolutely right. That was uh, that was kind of an interesting period. From what, was, what it really really came to the forefront, what in
3: '85? Yeah, I think AIDS. it was earlier than that. Actually, was I, it really? Even? I was in college. My last year was in '81. And there was a uh, one of my classmates did a paper about it, and at the time they thought it was a cancer that was, uh, you know, afflicting gay people. They didn't realize, and they were that so that was about when the very beginning of their research would have been, would have been '81. So Mm -hmm. I think by '85 it was full blown on.
1: Yeah, I think they accidentally found out about the HIV virus doing, because I think they were testing. For hepatitis. Oh, is that
3: what it was?
1: Yeah. And
3: oh, it, okay.
2: And
1: at first they thought it was just like a gay disease. Right. But then they started realizing, because they didn't know where this virus was surviving right. in the body. And mm-hmm. then people were coming forward that were getting blood transfusions coming down with HIV. And then they realized Ryan White, I think, yeah. Yeah, and then the, that's right, when I they realized that. that it's in the blood. Yeah. So it, it's a bizarre... Yeah, that was it. Bizarre thing, but...
2: Yeah, I mean, people don't be getting pissed off at me because in actuality, at first, they did refer to it as the gay plague.
1: They did. Oh Remember yeah. that?
2: Yes, yeah, they, they absolutely did. did. So it's not something I just made up here. That's actually what they called it at first. But it lasted all the way up. But didn't they really finally get it under control in about 92? It was around for about 10 years before I think, they really did I think
3: it was a lot later than that. I mean, in the, nine, oh, was it the really? 90s, they had the first cocktails uh, that would sort of extend your life.
0: Yeah, they. it right. wasn't really what i mean it's really barely treatable today uh but it was basically right, a death sentence all through the 90s i would yeah. say at, at all the very the 90s, least really at the very least it shortened your lifespan significantly until probably the early early or even late yeah. 2000s yep. yeah hmm
3: really yeah god i didn't
0: know it lasted that well long. remember
3: magic was of, the first guy that survived yeah and everyone was yeah, like how anybody the hell know did he... of but yeah but Well, he like... had his symptoms yep. under control right. and right all that right, stuff right and if you ever yeah, saw his my tv friend... show you kind of wished he hadn't sorry i just had to say that. <laughs> oh gee that's nice. that was the worst thing ever
1: <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah. yeah that show was terrible
2: well, Chevy Chase's wasn't any better. Oh, that's right. The worst, yeah. worst two, two talk shows in the history of the world. But, yeah, my friend died of it in 1992. He died almost the exact same time that uh, that Freddie Mercury did. Mm-hmm. Well, that was in nine, 92, I think, wasn't it? Yeah. 91, 92, yeah. something like that. But, yeah, so it was around a long time. And, they, you know, it's not like they have it under control now, but you can live with it now. And yeah. that's the big difference, right?
4: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, So, yeah, herpes, apparently uh, the Coachella Festival 2019 Herp Alert's been in business for two years now with doctors issuing prescriptions to pharmacies after people submit photos of their situation for medical pros to review. The turnaround time is a blazing fast. It only takes about two hours. We're told the site has seen a massive surge in folks seeking prescriptions for herpes since day one at Coachella. A whopping 1,105 cases have been reported in Indio, Palm Desert, Coachella Valley, and also L.A., Orange, San Diego counties, where most of the concert goers live. Herp tells us they uh, typically handle 12 cases a day in Southern California. During the first few days of Coachella, the site serviced almost
0: 250 people a day. Woo! How hard is it to just not not get herpes? I mean, come on. What's that? How hard is it to just not get
2: herpes? (laughs) <laughs> well, that was interesting because back in the day, to tell you the truth, and I don't even—I don't even know how long has herpes been. I know herpes has been around well, forever, a, but we didn't well, really hear much about it. Mm-hmm. But we didn't hear much about well, they, sexual sexually transmitted. did they call did it we?
1: like uh, scurvy or something like that? Oh, no, scurvy. That's a scurvy, scurvy is, is a
0: vitamin deficiency C, C deficiency. Oh, I wasn't sure out.
1: if it. Oh, gross! I didn't know if that was like kind of like the same thing. No. I don't know. I. Try not it was to. the scuzz. <laughs> I just love the I fact that there's a herp alert. <laughs> yes, herp, alert. herp alert. Herp alert.
2: You got herp alert out there taking care of business. You get the news ticker I,
1: going. <laughs> I
2: got to be honest with you. And Doug, you know, you uh, you played in bands and all that stuff. But I was never much interested in hooking up with women I barely knew. I, no, I
0: that's never never
2: been had a, one of my long suits either. It's not a good idea. Mm. No, it's not a good idea to just hop in the sack with anybody you run into. It's like, yeah, I don't think so. Why don't you go in the backyard and hose off for a while, and then I'll get back.
1: <laughs> <laughs> what do you think?
2: think? Think that's a nice, gentle way of putting it. I think that's the route to take there. One of
3: my favorite so, lines. Yeah, it was it up in smoke where the I've had <laughs> yeah. a piece on my head.
1: Yeah, I have hairpiece. Hairpiece <laughs> on my head. Yeah.
3: Where else would I have hairpiece
2: <laughs> on my neck? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's talking about a toupee, a hairpiece. But he keeps saying hairpiece. I have hairpiece on my head. I have hairpiece on your head. I'm going to run out of the studio for a minute and grab our uh, guest for okay. car selling
3: secrets. He just showed up. Oh, you right do
2: that? Out. Okay. Well, yeah, don't worry about our feelings. You know, well, abandoning us. Don't worry carry about on it. Never for gonna
3: a be... This guy, you're going to love this. Carry guy. Carry on. Really? Born in Iran. Uh, wait, do you hear the story about what got him excited about coming to America? He's got a, a degree in. Mechanical engineering and an MBA. His wife's a concert uh, professional musician, and they're going to get kicked out of the country. <laughs> oh, God. Why? Well, you, well, that's what we'll talk about. And he's also well, a did Paul marketing Paul the squeeze whist. on him? You no, know, it has nothing to do with Paul. i got to call him. we will talking <laughs> in a couple of weeks. I'll be right back. I like that. You, all right, sounds
2: good to me. The Minnesota State Patrol is warning drivers to stay focused behind the wheel. Yeah, we just talked about that, as a matter of fact. Stay off your phone, all the rest of it. But this one might have pushed it a little further. The Minnesota State Patrol is warning drivers to stay focused behind the wheel after several people were cited for distracted driving, including one person who was watching Law & Order while behind the wheel. (laughs) Why? You're watching television while you're driving a car. How stupid are you?
1: I don't know. Seriously. A lot
2: of stupid people. Oh, my God, there are so many stupid people out there, it's unbelievable. According to State Patrol, on Tuesday, a trooper pulled a driver over and discovered he was watching Law & Order on his phone. Another driver was sending emails while in rush hour traffic on Interstate 94. Both drivers were sighted. On Wednesday, a trooper pulled over and sighted a 21-year-old driver who was using Snapchat while driving on I-94 near Fergus Falls. Yeah, that's something you don't want to do because that would be the Ottertail County Highway Department. The Highway Patrol right there in Fergus Falls. It's their headquarters. You're a moron. Okay? Yeah. In that same area, Trooper also cited the 25-year-old driver of a commercial vehicle for shopping on Amazon while driving, shopping at Amazon on their phone.
1: Hi. What is wrong with you?
2: I don't know. Can you understand any of it? No. I can't either. I just don't get... Why would you do these things? No, it doesn't make any sense to me. Extra distracted driving enforcement continues through the end of the month. The Minnesota legislature recently passed a law prohibiting drivers from using their cell phones except in hands-free mode. The law goes into effect on August 1st, May, June, July. You got 90 days, about 95 days until you have to get your head out of your ass and stop being on your phone while you drive. I mean, it's just how do you consider that to be even a good idea in any way, shape, or form? I don't want to be on my phone when I'm in the car. Well, plus, in fact, I've had hands-free forever anyway. Uh, you can just basically answer the phone with by, by just telling the car to answer the phone, which is good. So you don't even have to take your hand off the wheel to push a button to answer your phone so you can talk through your dashboard.
3: Right? Yeah. Mine even does uh, uh, voice to te- or text-to-voice, mm-hmm. which is kind See? of cool. So if I get a text message, I just hit read, and it'll... And it's actually pronunciation is usually pretty good yeah is it really tom barnard thinks you are a jerk <laughs>
2: jerk jerk water a jerk, <laughs> a jerk jerk just stays right there on that one yeah thing. that's right that'll work for me did you bring your friend in yes ali is here ali is there yes ali hey hello what's going on doing good how are you today I don't really understand why you'd want to hang out with Doug Sprinthal. Explain that to me. Oh,
3: come
5: on. <laughs> so it was not my choice completely. He chose me to be here. <laughs> so here's what happened. I, know, I had I had
3: three different people that said that they wanted to be on today. And then oh. Tuesday and Wednesday, they all realized that they were participating in the national Take Your Kid to Work Day. Uh, and one, was, one was Ellie Swenson, uh, uh, Charlie's wife, we'll, sure, we'll get her in here sure. sometime, and a general manager at one yep. of the Nissan stores, and they're all tied up uh, showing kids the, the wonders of the automotive world. I do have a funny story to relate to that. Uh, Michelle Tafoya <laughs> was texting me uh, after the morning show and really? she had some technical questions about Mercedes and I know the general manager at uh, one of the stores in towns, so I connected them um, via uh, email and Michelle starts ripping me you know it's on, on Sunday <laughs> night football not Monday night and my name spelled with two L's not one so this friend of mine who's the GM at Sears emails are back take it easy on Doug he's in the car business when I got in my mom said isn't that the job for people that can't do anything else <laughs> Wow, this guy worked his way up to the GM of Sears Imports. He's done pretty well. You know what's amazing about that
2: is you talk about Michelle Tefoy. She was, she was absolutely upset when she found out that
3: Brittany is leaving the show. Mm -hmm. She was very saddened by that. It was yeah. Well, you know, I think there's a little bit of a mentoring relationship between those two. Yeah, I think that's
2: probably true. Britt Brit has decided that, well, yeah, as soon as she got married, I thought, well, she's probably not going to last much longer on the show because, you know, within the next year or two, they're going to talk about maybe having some children and doing morning radio while pregnant would not be a that whole lot of fun. Really can, and by the way, she is not pregnant. I like to point that out. So I'm not saying she's going to have a baby now, but in, in the near future, I would imagine she will. But uh, Brittany, like I said, she she'll be leaving the show on May 8th, I think it is. Yeah, it's May 8th, Wednesday.
3: Well, it sounds like uh, she maybe. doesn't have a, f- a concrete idea of what she's going to do next, or maybe she doesn't. No, she just I don't to so. say.
2: Well, and I think getting up at 4 in the morning has something to do with that as well. Yeah. You know, it's like, I don't know what I want to do, but I know it's not this because yeah. I don't want to get up at 4 in the morning anymore. You know, I, I suppose that is probably true. but And I, I did point out to people that everybody else gets a respite from it, but I don't. I'll see her as much as I ever did
3: because she hangs around with Alex and most of the people in the family.
2: You she know, when she, you. when she
3: does have a kid, those two are going to be uh-huh. completely inseparable and totally unstable. Oh, suffering. I know. It's going to be, no, you're absolutely right. It's going to be way over the top. But
2: yeah, it's, uh, Brittany is going to be leaving the KQ morning. It was kind of weird because another listener sent me this. And I, in a joking way, I said, uh, yeah, Brittany has decided to leave the show. And so I'm going to call her Quitney from now on, like I did the last time she was going to leave the show a couple of years ago. And blah blah blah. And I said, Well, let me just point something out too that she's decided to leave. I'm not forcing her out. And somebody on social media said, and he said he's not forcing her out. What a prick. I'm like, what? Oh, God. <laughs> like what? Do you have any sense of humor there,
3: Corky? Yeah. Whatever the hell you're clearly names? not. Calm down. Just settle down, yeah. That should be the, the new standard for social media. You have to be able to tell two or three good jokes. If you can't do that, you don't get an account.
1: I know, I right?
3: Agree. Yeah. So I
1: have a. F-
2: do you want to kick off Car Selling Secrets uh, like 15 minutes early, or do you? Sure, want to- we can do that. Uh, well, I just don't want Ali to show up and just sit there, and be going, "What the hell am I doing here so early?" Right? He listens
3: all the time. He knows what a tightly oh, run good. ship this okay. is. Okay. <laughs> oh, so if you want to take question. a quick, couple minute break and then, we, then we'll start, that be whatever you want. Well, to we'll just we got to, We got to do
2: the the stop set here, and then we'll come back and we'll do a prelude to Car Selling Secrets. How about that? We'll do it that way. Okay. Whatever you want, okay, sir. We'll be right right back in a couple minutes with the family. What are the things you want to avoid when it comes time to sell your home? Hey, it's Tom with my realtor, Chris Lindahl. If you're like most people, it's things like open houses, staging, decluttering, repairs, maintenance, and all the people coming through your house.
0: Hey, Tom, the Guaranteed Offer Program from Chris Lindall Real Estate was created for people like you so that you can avoid the things that you don't like doing when it comes time to sell your home. If you qualify, you will get an offer in 48 hours or less. And the best part is you get to pick a closing date that is convenient for you and close
2: in as little as three weeks. Go to ChrisLindahl.com right now to see if you qualify or call 763-401-SOLD. That is 763-401-SOLD. Tom here. You've heard me talking about how I've lost 92.5 pounds in less than five months. Thanks to the Nutrimost Wellness Plan, Nutrimost uses breakthrough technology that customizes a plan giving you the tools to lose weight and keep it off. One of the many reasons that it works is that you eat real food the entire time. So after you hit your goal, you know exactly what to order at restaurants and what to buy at the grocery store. That doesn't happen with a diet plan where you drink shakes or eat prepackaged foods or take drugs. Find out how and why Nutrimose is unlike any other weight loss plan by scheduling your immediate consultation or attending the Nutrimose free dinner at 6.30 p.m. on Monday, May 6th at Jake's in Plymouth. I will see you there. Nutrimose guarantees that you lose 20 pounds or more. Nutrimose helped me change my life, and they can help you too. Register for the Nutrimose dinner or schedule your immediate consultation, 763-333-7337. That's 763-333-7337.
1: Oh,
0: I thought you were reading
1: an ad. We did. Oh. I did. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm like what so... What the hell? Mul- I'm trying to multitask. Sorry. Take
2: some of next tonight and sleep. Oh, there you go. I don't know that during Car Selling Secrets you should play
3: Slow Ride.
1: Yeah, On where's our
3: board. intro music?
1: I, are we I thought we were doing a, oh, prelude. This is a
2: prelude. Oh, prelude. Yes. The prelude. She's, She's right. right. Yeah. I'm right. Alish. <laughs> Ali Sharifi Shalmani, our wow, special good. guest. What do you think I'm a dope? <laughs>
3: do you really want me to say?
1: No <laughs> not ask, ask questions you, you don't want yeah. the answers yeah. to.
2: <laughs> I like this though. Ali though, our guest of the podcast, learned how to a five-year-old Iranian boy uh, wanted to come to America because of a Casio keyboard with a bachelor's degree in mechanical engineering and an MBA. He will talk about how marketing in the digital age works. Iran. So five. when did you come to America? Uh,
5: first, hello. Uh, I came to the U.S. on August 16th, uh, 2016. So it would be oh, so three you... years and a few months.
2: And so you're only eight years old
5: now? Oh no! Uh, uh, it took me like <laughs> oh, tw- no. it, it took me like 24 years to make my that dream happen. So, what what was it about the Casio keyboard? So, that was uh, like uh, a New Year gift that I had for the Iranian New Year when I was five year old, and uh, I was super stoked about that. Th- that night that I got that gift, I was not able to sleep, and I was. Just I was only uh, looking at the like device and the package and everything and that, and there was a really funny like uh, picture in the package that was like a guy that with uh, a weird hairstyle ha- holding the keyboard in his hand and, uh, and that night my uncle was at our home and he was younger, it was in early twenties and I asked him, "Hey uncle, uh, who's this guy?" and he said to me that his. I don't know. He looks like to be a drunk American musician. I said, "Hell yeah! I I, I would love to become a drunk American musician."
1: <laughs> oh. Well, probably
2: not want to talk about getting drunk, uh, you know, in Iran uh, as a little kid. Probably not a good idea. But uh, you know, he showed some some boldness there. He showed some courage. Uh, so it worked out in the end. I thought for sure you're going to tell me that uh, your uncle said. I think that's Doug Sprenthal. Yeah,
3: right. Very (laughs) funny. (laughs) What?
2: I was trying to give you a compliment that you would be used to market to people all around the world because you cut such a fine figure.
3: Thank you, sir. So is this the—tell me what the prelude is. Are we going to stop here shortly and start, or are we just— Going no. right in. We got
2: another twelve minutes, man. Oh no, okay. no this is the prelude fifteen minutes, and then we're going to do. Uh, we're going to riff, and then we're going to do car selling secrets uh, in the two uh, o'clock hour. It'll be fine. Oh well, why don't we just call this car selling secrets? Oh, well, you want to get out early? Yeah, we can do that. That's
3: all about. Sorry, so
2: we can do that. So, so we'll do this, and then we'll do two more segments after two. All right. I okay, do that? that sounds good. Do you send this out as the third hour, uh, Cassie? Yes, I yep. do. Oh, then we gotta go. We gotta go for another hour after this. Unless you want to just tag something on the end of it and just go. Tom said, "F you." What do you think?
1: <laughs> hmm. Oh gosh. Maybe not. Uh, well. All right. In
2: any case, <laughs> why don't we use this as the introductory segment? Why don't you and Ali talk, Doug, and just kind of introduce Ali to the audience and how you two know one another, how long you've known one another. Uh, if you do work shoulder-to-shoulder shoulder on some uh, some topics and some jobs, or just
3: let okay. us know what's going on. I love it. All right. Well, we'll figure out how to put this together. We'll just talk and tell stories. So uh, you came
5: to Walzer, what, seven months ago? It was July fourteenth, 2018.
3: You realize that I'm not a government official or a police <laughs> officer. I don't need the exact <laughs> oh, date. Oh, God. You could just kind of like rough it in for it.
5: Yeah, these numbers are important numbers to me, so that's why I'm memorizing these. We'll,
3: days. we'll get into that a little bit later. We're going to uh, okay. Ali's going through some immigration issues with the United States, and we can talk about that oh later. God. why? Well, because he's here illegally. What? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, well, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually not his real name. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah actual, right. His real name is Farouk, but don't, that's another story. Oh, God, amazing. So uh, tell us what you do at Walzer. I mean, I know the answer to that, mm-hmm. but you know, to back this up a little bit, in the old days, the three ways that dealers would advertise were radio, television, and the Star Tribune. Then the Internet came along and pretty much changed the world. Now, obviously... You're listening to the sound of my voice. We still put a lot of value in radio because it's a great way to make personal connections with customers and potential customers. The Star Trip Automotive section, which used to run, oh, 20 or 30 pages, is now I think they might be a page long. I don't even know they have a rep anymore for the Star Trip. It's the world has changed. One of the guys locally that was one of my Star Trip reps uh, back in the 90s is uh, a guy named Larry Cuneo, saw the writing on the wall in the mid-90s and started what is now called Car Soup, and it's done really, really well for himself. But So that being said, ex- explain to the listeners what you do in the marketing department at
5: Walzer. Uh, I'm one of the marketing analysts in Walzer Marketing Department, and I do handle the marketing jobs for three of our stores, which are domestic general Motors stores. And, uh, you know, mainly my job is to keep the general manager calm and confident about that they would be able to hit the numbers for the end of the month but how i would be able to do that is by doing whatever is possible to do to get the word out and make more uh like visibility for everything that walzer does in those three stores uh as like you said like print ad used to be one of the biggest parts of the advertising for car industry, and radio and TV still going on, but it's moving toward to that like the new era. Radio and TV like non. On air, it's mostly about streaming devices and these kind of stuff. And interestingly, right now, Star Tribune is one of the biggest partners for us because they have changed their approach to advertising.
3: They have a great online presence. They really do. Yeah,
5: and right now, Star Tribune uh, does a lot of, like, activities for us and helps us in, like, streaming uh, ads for the streaming services on TVs or helps us uh, doing... uh, we are still doing some print ads, but they're really small. Yeah. Like every so often, like every month, we would do a quarter page for each of the stores, but not like in the past. Mostly marketing in the new era is not about bombarding the customers with too many messages, which we do still. Uh, <laughs> But it's mostly about uh, hyper-targeting the proper customer with the proper message. Basically, we are going to be able to anticipate what is your potential need and mm-hmm. how we would be able to satisfy that need. And we're trying to think ahead of you and think for you. So how do you ex- how exactly do you do that? So uh, right now, one of the parts and the challenges that we have to cope with is generating the offers yep. that would fit your needs and your budget and your goals that means that every day Walls almost every day not exactly every day is running over 20,000 deals just for advertising mm-hmm. and we would generate all those deals and pick and choose whatever is better and fits the like the biggest portion of the customer's uh, needs and then try to figure out what are the best channels to get them out like they would get channel to the emails, would get funneled to the correct uh, customer, and those customers would receive those emails. But also, it's not with the only email. Uh, we are trying to show the display ads on the internet, like in Google, Facebook, wherever that you can advertise with the proper message. So if you are uh, potentially in market for a small SUV car, the odds of you being able to see the ads related to that small suv is high because we're using google ads for doing that and uh it's there's a lot of back-end processing behind it in google and we have to segment the customers with the proper like uh targeted uh, audience and you know there's always challenge that how you would want to do that you would want to say uh the person who has bought a small SUV two years ago could be a potential customer, or no, they are going to upgrade to mid-size SUV, or a person who just bought a sedan car, and they are like, uh, they have changed a job, so potentially they are going to buy the second car as well, uh, so you would want to add, uh, target them as well.
3: You're making me really paranoid. I've noticed a new thing, actually. When it, now when I turn on my cell phone, sometimes I'll see walls ads, it's the first thing that pops up. How do you, how do, you do that? <laughs>
5: So it's not uh, completely us doing it. It's, uh, <laughs> it's the Russians. It's Google, Facebook, and yeah. any other big like digital vendors that you are using in your daily life. And it's surprising. Google serves you with a lot of services but do not charge you. Don't hmm. you ever wonder how they do yeah. make money and they are one of the biggest companies? <laughs> yeah, they do sell uh, ads and they do serve you uh so called for free by showing you the ads and helping the businesses to get through so it's basically like no one used to charge the like atmosphere or the air for holding a billboard in there yeah There was a company that used to put the billboard up there. So Google is basically building the digital environment that you as a customer would be able to live within that digital environment. And it's building the infrastructure for its own department that they would be able to sell those, like display ad real estates. Or uh, the ad words or Google ads that whenever you are searching on very top spots, you would be able to see some of the ads that they are. They should be relevant to whatever you are searching. They should be uh, original. There are a lot going on behind the scene that, you know, there's a lot of myth that people are thinking that you can uh, manipulate the results of the search or the ads or what, whatever. No, you can't. Like if you are searching for 2018 Buick Lacrosse, it would not show you a 2014 Toyota RAV4. It might show you a 2015 Buick LaCrosse, but it should be relevant to you. And if you are searching for buying a Buick, it would try to show you the proper relevant deals. So if a company who uses Google Ads or any other of these ad services would be sophisticated enough to push uh, enough information about what they do offer to the customers, they would get a better chance to get exposure in front of customers, and this is what exactly we are doing. We are trying to become more sophisticated in having more information and more detailed and exact deals and uh, what whatsoever going on around our business, and push them toward to Google that Google would be able or other digital vendors that they would be able to match us with the potential so customer. Who who is Google's biggest competitor, or don't they have one? Uh, so because. Google's main source of revenue is Google Ads, and Google Ads is being served within the Google.com right. or the, or the uh, search engine. There's no other competitor, basically. But there is – in social media, Facebook is the biggest one. Yeah. And also in apps, Apple has, like, the biggest variety of apps in their app store. So if you are – trying to advertise within any apps or trying to have any display ads within any apps, then you would uh, get into the Facebook, Google, and Apple,
4: yeah, and also
5: okay. Amazon is getting new presence as well. Amazon is? Yeah. Oh, no. Yep. <laughs> they all That's are. Oh nice. What are they up to? So Amazon is uh, really expanding something called Amazon Web Services. And they are trying to build, like, the technical infrastructure for anything like this. Like, if I want to serve you with emails and I do have your email address and, uh, like, half a million other people email addresses, how I'm going to be able to target these people? There should be segmentation, categorizing, a lot of tools that I would be able to – gather, store, and organize data around these email addresses, and this is what Amazon is trying to come up with.
3: Okay. Wow. So Ali has an MBA, which is kind of what we need in the marketing department now. It's a little (laughs) different than when I used to run it.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I can see it might be a little different, but I like the fact that you were dumbfounded there. That sounded really good.
3: Yeah, no, I get dumbfounded a lot talking to these guys. They're way smarter than I am.
2: Well, I'm right there with you shoulder to shoulder. So it all works out. See now that was a good introduction to car selling secrets, which will be up in about just a couple you want to take a couple minute break, Andy, or you need longer than that? It's up to you. Well we can just take a couple minute break. It's coming up in about thirty seconds. We can take a couple of minute break, come back, talk to Ali, we'll talk to Doug. Doug Doug'll take the wheel. It'll be car, car selling secrets, and you can learn a lot. I have, you know, to tell you the truth, Doug, it's been what? Is this episode eight or nine? Something like that? I think it's nine.
3: We're still single
2: digits, I think. Yep. Yep. It is nine, yeah. Okay, nine. Because I've already learned a ton about, I didn't know anything about car selling or the secrets of car selling or how the whole business even works. So I'm, you know, I'm learning quite a bit myself. We'll be back with Ali and Doug in just a couple of minutes with the family.